And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon what the case is on your particular location on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition, live toward the end of February of 2023, of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, when impossibilities are seriously considered and we've got the evidence to back them up. This is going to be a very interesting program because it's kind of like a part two of the homage to uh, Dr. Carmen Bolter that we did a couple weeks ago. Um, we really seem to be on the cusp of all kinds of pretty amazing and extraordinary things. And while most people are looking at the world at this uh, changing tapestry as a series of disconnected, you know, random events. Um, our own analysis and our own work going back decades into the social implications of the hyperdimensional model indicate that at some level, these things that appear to be disconnected are in fact much bigger than the sum of their parts, that they really are at a moderately accessible level now. They're connected. And I'm going to kind of go through some background as a prelude to when Sam joins us, because one of the really amazing things that, you know, was only amazing in the sense of the information that she was able to put together. But for those of us that believe in this <clears throat> ancient high-tech epic of civilization prior to the canonical, you know, 6,000 years in the Bible and in Sumerian records, etc., etc., that we're looking at a much, much, much earlier extraordinary scientific and philosophical and technological epic. And what's really weird and so affirming, as we're going to talk with Sam tonight uh, all, about all this, is that the independent estimates gleaned from Sam's work, from Carmen's adaptation of the model to fit a larger frame, Egypt and beyond, and the actual hard data, the evidence from our own completely independent ancient extraterrestrial archaeological discoveries. What's really cool is this all converges like in Bosnia at the same time frame. I think it was John um, uh, <clears throat> oh let's see what was his name I can't think of it. Anyway um, he, he wrote a book Serpent in the Sky and he was, you know, extraordinarily well-versed in the more, uh, more arcane aspects of ancient Egypt, particularly the, the kind of blending of the mythology and the numerology and the science into an amalgam that's not really readily accessible to mainstream left-brain science. But if you kind of get rid of those blinders and realize that at this ancient epic in human history, things were not decoded and laid out and presented the way they are now, that you need to make accommodations for a, 
more unified, well, field theory, which, of course, is the holy grail of current physics. So before a certain time horizon, both myself and Carmen and Sam have all been looking at the same dates and the same epical events that then set in motion the things that are occurring all around the world tonight. Give you an example. Uh, for you who are new to the program, we have something called Radio with Pictures, which means that if you have a smartphone, you can listen and go to the website, the other side of midnight.com, at the same time. That will take you to the uh, show page. Click on tonight's banner, which has a really good picture of Carmen standing. I think she's standing in front of the Sphinx, I think. But it could be anywhere, probably on the Giza Plateau. Uh, you can tell by <clears throat> some of the details of the erosion in the background. Anyway, you click on that. That will take you to the guest page. And Sam uh, Osmanagich is our primary guest tonight. Sam discovered, and we're going to go through for those of you who are new to his astonishingly crucial archaeological work, he has discovered a whole new genre of very massive, mile-sized, Sidonia-sized pyramidal structures looking like mountains or major hills arrayed in remarkable geometric patterns, the patterns, of course, are recursive of the whole hyperdimensional physics model. So whoever built the Bosnian pyramids and the pyramids in the northern island of uh, Japan and pyramids to the west in China and pyramids in the Far East, pyramids really, when you look at all the imagery now and all the search engine stuff you can turn up on pyramids, there are pyramids all over the world. And they all look pretty much the same. And according to our work, they all are intended to accomplish the same thing, which is to tinker with, adjust, amplify, modulate <clears throat> the hyperdimensional physics of nothing less than all of planet Earth. And this ancient, ancient grid was established a long time ago to do that, to basically tweak the force. And because we have lost, we've forgotten, or more likely it has been suppressed from modern civilization, who thinks it's so damn smart and is actually really pretty dumb. Um, this ancient science, this ancient technology is visible uh, in our midst even now, even though we can't, as a global society, yet publicly do a damn thing about it. <clears throat> so what you want to do now is you clicked on that banner that takes you to the guest page. And under the guest page, it says to listen to show. And then it says fast links to items. Click on my name. That takes you to my items tonight. I only have four. And we'll go through them quickly. But they're crucial as background to our conversation with Dr. Simon Osmanagic and the story of the linkage of the ancient Egyptian pyramids to the most extraordinary discovery that Sam has made, man-made mountain-sized pyramids in Bosnia. So, you look at my first item there. The death toll from the Turkish-Syrian earthquake has now exceeded 50 
thousand people, and they have not pulled any survivors from the rubble uh, now for several days. But the last survivors so beat the percentages of survivability in the situation, being buried under rubble in some kind of a pocket so you have air and you're protected from the elements and the ultra-frigid cold nights don't freeze you solid like a block of ice. Having gotten past all those filters, um, just a few days ago, a couple, three days ago, a baby, an infant, was pulled alive from the rubble, far exceeding by orders of magnitude the 24 hours or so that uh, is the optimum golden window for rescuing people buried in an under-earthquake rubble. So there's some kind of, I call it a scientific miracle, I think it's a hyperdimensional effect on biology, which we should be looking at. And again, that backstops to what Sam and Carmen through him is going to talk about in terms of the ability of these ancient massive structures to measure the invisible, to literally resonate with the invisible torsion field changes and manipulations going on silently all around us. And all we are seeing in this model is the effect like this incredibly massive double uh, Turkish earthquake, a 7.6 and a 7.8 within you know minutes of each other in the same region, devastating you know hundreds of thousands, leaving them homeless and now killing in excess of 50,000 Turkish and Syrian citizens. So how does this connect to item number two? In the last few months, prescinding off work that goes back to about 2009, the global community of geologists and geophysicists and planetologists, the people that kind of wonder about what's going on 4,000 miles beneath our feet, and they do it for a living, those people came up with an extraordinary discovery, announcement, revelation, pronunciation. As of a couple, three months ago, the mainstream science community all over the world was posting incredible interesting papers and articles relating to the fact that the Earth's inner core, which many decades ago was discovered through earthquakes to be rotating faster than the outside of the Earth, the mantle and, and the uh, crust, somehow, around about 2009, the core slowed down to where it is now in sync again, in synchronization with the overall rotation of the bulk of planet Earth. And this is astonishing news. <clears throat> These kinds of changes, you know, they don't call them geological changes for nothing. They're usually supposed to take place over millions or hundreds of millions of years, not in the space of just, you know, a decade or so. But when this resynchronization happened, and remember, in the hyperdimensional model, all rotation is hyperdimensionally driven. Remember, rotation, rotation, rotation. So the idea of adjusting spins as modulating, as being modulated by the changes of the background physics, it's right in line with what we've been talking about 
for many, many years, including changes in the perceived rotation of the inner layers of Saturn by means of uh, radio astronomers and uh, uh, comparison spacecraft readings back when the Voyagers were first encountering uh, Saturn in all its amazing multidisciplinary wonder. Okay, so beneath our feet, beneath the feet of those in Turkey, in Syria, in China, all over the world, there have been these un, un, unseen, invisible, hyperdimensional geological changes. And in the model the other day, they manifested suddenly, tragically, in Turkey and northern Syria with incredible back-to-back -back earthquakes. I mean, there was another one a couple, three days ago, a 6.4. It killed something like eight people. And, you know, it's like you've survived the huge once-in-a-ten-lifetime sequence of events, and then you get knocked off by a trivial, you know, 6.4. It's just, well, anyway. <clears throat> so item number three. As this extraordinary, unusual biology, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, geology, has been going on, if you look at climatology and meteorology and the weather, that's also been going crazy. Do you know tonight there's a blizzard in Southern California? A blizzard, which is, you know, winds in excess of some, something like 60 miles an hour and whiteout conditions and, you know, several tens of inches of snow per, you know, two-hour period. So it's all going on in Southern California and not just in the mountains. Is this another aspect, is this another manifestation of the tremors in the force, the fact that the current background physics is not only... Um, uh, John Anthony West, that's the guy I was trying to remember. Sorry, sorry. Yes, and, um, yes, and, and his serpent in the sky was a brilliant tour de force on what he called the legacy cultures to <clears throat> modern Homo sapiens history. Anyway, item number four, our model is that these weirdnesses, including the scientific miracle of people living after that earthquake far longer than the manuals say they should be able to, what triggered the earthquake itself, uh, what's triggered now a blizzard in Southern California when it's almost spring out there, it all comes back to another bizarre anomaly that happened in the same time frame, and that is a massive filament swirling every eight days around the North Pole of the Sun, moving at something like 60 miles per second. Now, <clears throat> what's the connecting glue? If these are all manifestations of changes in the physics, and if the ancients set up <clears throat> a network based on this knowledge that would be tapped into the hyperdimensional changes that precede any of the normal three-space electromagnetic changes, <clears throat> up to and including earthquakes, then is it possible, and we're going to go through some of the, the questioning around this tonight with Sam, is it possible that what he has found and what Carmen measured in ancient Egypt <clears throat> and seemed to have been seen around the world in many other places in which Robin and I, using the Accutron technology, measured from Central America all the way to Stonehenge. Is it all related and ultimately do in fact the ancient pyramids 
that Sam has found form the backbone of an extraordinarily ancient early warning hyperdimensional system, which if we had not forgotten and or had the knowledge ruthlessly suppressed over the last several decades, if not longer, then we might have a network of existing ancient structures sensitive to changes in the torsion field, and thus we could have used them as an early warning system to prevent 50,000 people from dying in Turkey. My first guest this morning is Samir Osmanigic. He is a Bosnian-born Houstonian, resident author, researcher, and businessman. Uh, Sam discovered an ancient pyramid complex in Visoko, Bosnia-Herzegovina, consisting to date of 11 artificial structures, the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, the Pyramid of the Moon, the Pyramid of Love, the Pyramid of the Dragon, the Temple of Mother Earth, Vratnika Tumulus, Dolovi Tumulus, and Jinji Tumulus, KT Tunnels, Underground Labyrinths, Ravne and Ravne II, and he has done something even more extraordinary. In companion with this seminal archaeological research, Sam has been able to establish a nonprofit, non governmental archaeological park of the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun Foundation to pursue ongoing excavation and geo archaeological work. And on that note, Sam, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Thanks a lot. Hello, guys. How are you? Um, good evening to you. It's uh, already morning here in Bosnia. I'm uh, like eight hours ahead. I'm very happy to be with you, Richard, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you some updates to you. Well, let's start with who is Sam Osmanigic really, and will the real Sam please step forward? How did you wind up? going from mainstream geology to the most far out and most important ancient archaeology that one can imagine? Well, I have been researching megalithic and pyramid sites in the last four decades. My PhD is uh, about the Mayan pyramids in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and Belize. But I've extended my investigation to the pyramids in uh, Peru, Bolivia, China, Indonesia, Cambodia, Australia, Canary Islands, Mauritius, Northern Sudan, of course, Egypt, and uh, some European countries with the pyramids, Spain, Greece, Italy. So after four decades of the research, I've concluded that almost everything they teach us about the ancient history and pyramids is wrong. The mm. pyramids are not built only in Egypt and Mexico, but on all six continents. And the Egyptian pyramids were not built by the pharaohs, at least those that they are telling us about, and they were not tombs. But they were built much, much before that by more advanced civilizations. And back in 2005, armed with that knowledge about the pyramids around the planet, I'm coming to Bosnia in the central town of Visoko, 
to visit the local museum. But what really caught my attention was this, everybody called it natural hill, because it was covered by forest, soil, vegetation. But uh, I saw very regular geometry, four sides, four triangular faces, corners, the same slope from bottom to the top. I took compass and compass showed me that those four sides perfectly match cardinal points, east, west, north, and south. And that's exactly how the pyramids were built in other countries with the pyramids covered by vegetation. For example, China, 250 pyramids in the central province of Shanxi. Then, of course, uh, Mayan pyramids, Guatemala, Mexico, and so on. So back in 2005, I got permission from the government to do some preliminary research, which uh, after you know doing some geological core drilling, archaeological trenches, lab analysis, really confirmed that we do have an artificial structure just three to four feet below the soil. I started to uh, make some contacts at the University of Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia, and the museums, I offered them collaboration, but they refused. They said, no, we don't have pyramids in Bosnia. We never had pharaohs. So I decided to you know, establish the nonprofit foundation for the archaeological research. And in the last 18 years, it has become the most active archaeological site in the world. Every year, I have hundreds of volunteers, dozens of my workers, dozens of experts from different fields who come to Bosnia and uh, investigate the sites with us. And our conclusion is that we do have what we named the Bosnian Valley of the Pyramids, with at least six pyramids, which we named the Sun, Moon, Dragon, Earth, Love, and the Sixth Pyramid, with the several uh, uh, tumuli. The tumulus is the artificial conical hill. We have them in the U.S. under the name mounds. For example, Cahokia mounds. And a huge network of underground tunnels. And so far we have discovered not two, but six entrances to underground tunnels. It's a huge prehistorical network consisting of passageways, intersections, chambers, and uh, didn't you so get, far we, yes. Didn't you get radiocarbon dating from a leaf under a major ceremonial rock somewhere in that labyrinth of tunnels? Yes. Now, it's, it's coming more and more exciting. You are right. Uh, in order to get the date or to get the answers to the major archaeological questions, which are the five questions are what? What is this? So we know that this is the pyramid complex. The second one is who? So far, we don't have that Stella, which will explain who really built it, but we realize it was very advanced civilizations. And the third one is when? Well, so far we have done 28 radiocarbon dating mm. and uranium thorium analysis, and they all take us far, far back in the past. Maybe the most interesting was uh, on the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. Uh, three to four feet below the soil, we discovered blocks, rectangular, 
and square blocks in several rows, several layers. Between the top two layers, we discovered fossilized leaves. Mm. How did they get there? So for us, it's rather obvious, the context. Namely, somebody was pouring the concrete blocks because after the analysis, we got the information that those blocks were actually an artificially made concrete. So somebody was pouring the concrete blocks, first row, second, third. The wind was blowing, bringing those leaves, and they placed the final row of blocks. But those leaves who got there trapped, like in the sandwich, obviously they got there during the construction times. So we sent them for the radiocarbon analysis and we got the amazing date, 29,200 years wow. plus minus 400 years. And this is radiocarbon date in order to get the uh, calibrated date, the calendar age. You need to add about 14%, which takes us back 33,600 years in the past. And Dr. Paul Violet, unfortunately late Paul Violet, you know, he, had, he did those calculations. So, more than 30,000 years, when you talk to the, you know, uh, archaeologists, historians, you ask them what was happening then, they would tell you almost nothing. That was the era of the primitive caveman. But it seems that they don't read about the sensational discoveries in the last couple of decades. We have more and more evidence uh, about very advanced pyramid and megalithic sites, much before the end of the last ice age, 11,700 years, Yonaguni monuments, you know, of the coast of Japan, on the bottom of the Pacific floor, you know, megalithic sites. Indonesia, our friend, Dr. Danny Hillman, he discovered pyramid in the western part of Java, Gunung Padang, the Hill of Light. And he did radiocarbon dating 28,500 oh, years. My, my. Exactly bingo. the same like in Bosnia. Bingo, bingo. And it, yeah, and it seems that some other major sites like Machu Picchu in eastern Peru, it's not only the Inca site from 800 years ago, but there are at least three more cultural layers, three more different civilizations. And the first one, tens of thousands of years. And finally, we are coming to the Egyptian pyramids, which are much, much older than 4,500 years. So obviously, if you have one anomaly, that's fine. But if you have so many sites around the world, they require that history books be rewritten. And what we do in Bosnia, Richard, Unlike all other sites run by the established, you know, uh, universities or museums, so the state-sponsored uh, research, in our case, it's a non-profit, non-government organization. So we don't have limits. We don't get funded from the government. As a matter of fact, we self-finance our activities. And there is no one to tell us what we can or cannot publish. So, uh, amazing results when it comes to the dating and 28 different datings are taking us in a period from 17,000 to 55,000 years back, but the majority of them about 30,000 years ago. One more thing, which is really a, a news, 
since our last talk. We've discovered, like I said, four more entrances to underground tunnels. And in one of them, which we called Ravne 3. What is Ravne? Ravne is the area in, in Visoko. Ravne means flat in Bosnian language. So in Ravne 3, we discovered an open section of 65 meters or about 200 feet. So it's been there for a very long time. And it seems that uh, people were getting inside in different time periods because we were discovering uh, different artifacts, about 3,400 of them, mostly pieces of ceramics, but also some metal pieces. And they belong to different time periods, you know. Okay, uh, but hold it there. We're at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning is Dr. Sam Mismonigich. We are kind of reprising the history of his most extraordinary <clears throat> singular find, which was a set of extraordinary large ancient pyramids on the order of 30,000 years old, if we can extrapolate from the tunneling and the labyrinth under the pyramid to the time frame of the pyramid itself. Of course, that can be adjusted. We don't know, you know, this is not just an instant in time. There was an awful lot of stuff by an awful lot of people going on at this site for an awfully long time time. Where does that 30,000 year date come in? Is that the end? Or was that the beginning? And if it was the end, how much older are similar sites, not only in Bosnia, but around the world? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone, to this Saturday night edition on the 25th of February of 2023 of The Other Side of Midnight, going far, far back into human history at a time when so much independent evidence says this was the last preceding high-tech era. And then something 
catastrophic happened, not only to the human physiognomy, the human form, the human race itself, but to human memory and consciousness, which in our model is dependent on the rise and fall of the background hyperdimensional physics. And whoever built this ancient pyramid network knew that, and in our model, it was a partial resetting of the field to allow for pockets of perchance high-level consciousness. Sam, am I all wet on this or am I on, on the right track? It seems to me that uh, in the past we did have a parallel Civil, you know, some form of advanced civilization and uh, Paleolithic and Neolithic man, because we do find some uh, tools that are telling us there are people living there, but at a very uh, low level. But at the same time, we do have some very advanced form of constructions. You go to Turkey, which you mentioned a couple of times already, the site of Gobekli Tepe, which was discovered back in 1995 by the German, late German archaeologist, Dr. Klaus Schmidt, he basically discovered a series of the megalithic circles. He uncovered three of them while he lived, and uh, they look like a Stonehenge. They consist of um, mm. huge megalithic blocks, T-shaped, from very hard uh, uh, limestone. And the Turkish government, in the meantime, uncovered three more. So six total is what you can see nowadays. But when I spoke to Dr. Schmidt uh, eight years ago, he told me there are at least 100 of them. Uh, what you can read on the non-scientific sites like Wikipedia or Encyclopedia Britannica, they are telling us 11,600 years. But when I spoke to Klaus, he told me between 15 and 18,000 years. Hmm. An interesting thing is what they teach us in schools, in order to build such a huge megalithic sites, people needed big agricultural civilizations like five, six thousand years back, only when there were big cities, hundred thousand people, uh, huge agricultural production, people had some extra money so they could play and uh, build those structures. However, 11,600 or especially 15,000 years back, no agricultural civilizations. And a matter of fact, Richard, in the wider area of Gobekli Tepe, not a single residential house was discovered. You know, when you have such a huge megalithic sites, you would expect really a city of 100,000 people and no residential houses. How is that possible? Well, given that people don't work any harder with their muscles now than they did 10, 20, 30,000 years ago, if you've yes. got a huge area of archaeological ruins and there's no room for the construction workers, the guys who built the place, yeah. obviously right. Right. it's it's got to be a whole different origin than the standard model of people stacking up stones or piling up dirt. Exactly right. Now, let's, let's remember those uh, 
you know, bedtime stories about Egyptian pyramids being built by 100,000 slaves. <laughs> I mean, even if we agree that 4,550 years back, the pharaoh of the fourth dynasty, Khufu or Cheops, you know, built the pyramid with 100,000 slaves, well, where did he find 100,000 people? Because in all of the... <laughs> Who had Egypt, nothing else to do? 100,000 people. Well, those 100,000 so, people, what were they doing before that they were conscripted into a exactly. pyramid army? So there are no 100,000 slaves. And uh, But now, the Great Pyramid of Egypt has a height of 147 meters, about 475 feet. And imagine this, the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. At first we thought it was 220 meters, which was much higher than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. But lately, using the new technology, which we can mention later, which is called LIDAR, or LIDAR technology, we realize it is 368 meters, or 1,200 feet. So, this pyramid, when it comes to the material, is 10 times bigger than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. And you have the whole complex. Who was able to manipulate with tens of millions of tons of material? We can ask... So wait, 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 wait. Sam, Sam, what yes. you're saying is, since people couldn't do it, there's no evidence. The only mm. alternative, remember Sherlock Holmes, when you considered all the possibles, and the only thing left is the impossible, <clears throat> go for that. So you're saying that the pyramids are evidence of an extraordinary high technology so that what would take 100,000 men and women 20 years could be done by three or four people over maybe a weekend. Exactly right. If we talk about the more advanced civilization, how can we describe them? We cannot. It is like the ant is trying to explain humans. I mean, they cannot. The same thing goes for us. How can we explain the methods, the tools, the knowledge of somebody who was much more evolved than us? Okay. And this is if, the case. If you say that the biggest, let me rephrase it. What was the biggest inhibition, impediment, to building the pyramids on the scale we've been discussing with people? <laughs> well, the, of course, one thing is the material, how they manipulate with millions of tons. For example, the Great Pyramid of Egypt, six million tons of materials. But for me, the Giza Plateau is the uh, design project. It's not just one pyramid at a time. It was, you know, the, the, the whole complex. It was a time. plan. It was a, exactly, it was a plan. The Cahokia pyramids in the southwestern corner of the state of Illinois, the same things goes for there. Today we have 120 pyramids. Most of them are steps pyramids. 120 of them, the largest, which they called Monk's Mound, because mm. in the 17th century we had some French monastery over there. So the largest one, had an equivalent, when it comes to the material, equivalent of 122,000 trucks, 20-ton trucks of material. Good 122,000 trucks. So we're talking about the millions of tons of material. So this is one challenge. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, because to me, the biggest challenge has always been gravity. 
if you're dealing with gravity as we yes. think we know it, then you can't do it with people. If you exactly. deal with a technology which can manipulate gravity, which is what our Accutron readings strongly, strongly imply because of the changes of inertia we're measuring, then all bets are off. Three guys and a gal on a weekend with a picnic could have built a damn great pyramid because the material is not the problem. It's assembling it, slicing it, stacking it, and making the design of finished one against gravity. If gravity is no object, you can build pyramids all days of the week for the last 20,000 years. Well, you are right. The largest block in the second largest pyramid, the Kafre or Kefren, is 220 tons. Now, we're talking about 500 million pounds, 220 tons. And that one was shaped back in uh, Aswan. Aswan is 869 kilometers from the Giza Plateau, or about 500 miles. How did they move 220 tons from Aswan to Giza Plateau? When well, hang on, hang on. If, if you yes. solve the gravity problem with technology, then neither the shaping, the stacking, or the transport of that amount of material from anywhere on the damn planet becomes a problem. Exactly, if you solve that problem. Because what uh, we tried as our you know, 21st century civilization, like the Japanese a couple of decades ago, they tried to repeat the whole process. They cut a block of two tons, two tons, not 220, but two tons. And they uh, built a replica of the barge which they found on uh, hieroglyphic uh, uh, writings. And they placed it there in Aswan, and that barge sunk <laughs> on the bottom of River Nile. And then Mark Lerner, Egyptologist, very good friend to Zahi Havas, tried to do the same thing, and the same thing happened again. So only one ton was the maximum load they could load on, the, on that barge. But how do you explain 220 tons? And you know, so now we can see that every element of what they were giving us at the theory how the pyramids were built was wrong and incorrect. So you had to have some more advanced technology. And like you said, the gravity is a problem. So how do you, let's say, remove the gravitational force or neutralize gravitational force? If you can do that, then the transport and the building is becoming much, much easier. But it's not only the... Well, uh, hang on, hang on. In, in, in the modern era, there was a guy in Florida, an immigrant named Leed Scalman, and yes. all by his lonesome, the 90-pound weakling of the Charlie Atlas ads on the backs of comic books back in the 50s, this 90-pound weakling somehow built all by himself using this secret E.T. Egyptian technology, a wonderland, Coral Castle, which has all kinds of hyperdimensional energy outputs because Robin and I measured it again and again and again. So when, there's, when people read that little pamphlet in the office of, of the uh, Coral Castle, you know, uh, scenic park, it says in, in Leeds Scallon's own words, he figured out the secrets of the ancient Egyptians. And it's obvious that he did. 
Yeah, Ed was a Latvian immigrant to U.S. and they sent him to Florida because of his health. And then, yes, he did build the first park, and then, which he moved later on. And the well, Crown you, Castle you, is you, an amazing you, example. Do you know what? Do, do you know why he moved it? Why? It was at the wrong latitude. He recalculated <laughs> his physics, and he had to move it north to be at the optimum latitude for what he was doing. Okay. But it shows that one tiny little man was able to, to make wonders. And even though there were some tools on the site, those tools can help me with a couple of hundred kilos, but not with the five tons. And not just for one man to do that. So obviously he knew some secrets we don't. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's rather hard hard to read how he did it, but he did it. Well, to now, me, the most stunning example was the nine-ton gate at the back of the property in that back wall. You know the one yes. I'm talking about? Yes, yes. I when do. he built it in the 50s, using this physics, using this application of manipulated torsion fields, he was able to, one guy, no helpers, to balance it so yeah. accurately that a little girl could push it with yes. her hand or even her fingers. It was yeah, with it, the fingers. Yes, it, exactly. it was it was more delicately balanced than the five hundred ton Palomar telescope, which requires a pretty sturdy guy to begin to move it by pushing against it with your hand, and it's mounted on what are called oil bearings. So the yes. only way that I can see that Lee Scowlin was able to balance the nine-ton gate is if he could somehow neutralize the inertia so that he then could shift it exactly right geometrically so that it was mounted where the line of uh, gravity was directly through its center of mass. And it was so precisely balanced that in the 80s, when it stopped working because of corrosion, they brought in a, a couple of crane companies and, you know, construction workers and all that, and they, they remounted it, but now it requires a very large amount of force to make it move, and it stops immediately, and they didn't get the balance right. How did Lee Scalden figure out the miracle when modern technology failed? Yes. Now, Richard... The material manipulation is one thing, but then the other thing that I'm seeing in those sites is the elements of sacred geometry. As we know, some of the elements are the number pi, 3.14, number phi, or golden section, 1.618, but also geometrical shapes like equilateral triangle, hexagon, mm -hmm. and so on. It seems that the ancients knew if they apply those elements, they are getting some very interesting phenomena. The, for example, in the case of the Great Pyramid of Egypt, when you take those two lengths of the sides, 231 meters, two sides, 462 meters, divided by height, 147, the result is 3.14. So the number pi has been applied on several sites around the planet, megalithic sites and the pyramid sites. The Pyramid of the Sun in Teotihuacan in Mexico, to the north from the Mexico City. Instead of uh, number pi, we have square root of number pi. Mm. Uh, then uh, 
the golden section spiral Fibonacci formula. Uh, in the case of Egyptian pyramids, if you start the beginning point at the king, you know, Tots tomb, on this line, on this spiral, we have all three pyramids. In the case of Bosnia, we have at least two spirals. The first one is, you start with the top of the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, and on this spiral we have the Pyramid of Love and two more Pyramid Hills. And the second one is, you start from the place where two rivers meet. In the Bosnian Valley of Pyramids, we have two major rivers. This is the beginning point. You start, you know, with the spiral, and you have top of the Sun Pyramid, you have entrance to the tunnels, and you have the tumuli complex. So, for the ancients, how they would lay out those structures was extremely important, because if you have those elements, you have the movement of the energy, and now we are coming to the key points for the ancients. The pyramid sites, the megalithic sites, they were all about the energy. What we have concluded, Richard, is that the shape of the four-sided pyramid is probably the most powerful geometrical shape when it comes to the energy four-sided for our planet, maybe five-sided for planet Mars. But for our planet, it is four-sided. And we have proven that if you place four-sided pyramid perfectly oriented to the cardinal points, you are, you know, you are getting the energy amplifier. You amplify natural sources of energy. How do we know that? Because we have measured it. For example, below the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, we have an iron ore. Iron generates electromagnetic field. The pyramid amplifies it. We have measured it at the base and at the top. At the top, the signal is 50 times strong. And guess what? When I was with my Russian colleagues a couple of decades ago in Egypt, at the Red Pyramid site in Dakhshur. We wanted to measure, of course, Giza pyramids, but it was impossible to, with all those soldiers. But the Red Pyramid, it's not so much visited, so you could pay them some money. So we climbed <laughs> the top and we measured at the, at the base the same result. At the top, energy was, you know, much, much stronger. So pyramid does amplify mm. certain energy phenomena. The second one also very interesting, and it and does it. One, it does it passively, just by its geometry, and what it's made from. Exactly. Well, we have several criteria. Geometry for me is number one. The construction material, the type of the material, is number two. The orientation is number three. Existence of underground uh, water number four. Existence of you know, underground tunnels, existence of resonance chambers, passageways, uh, some other elements like volcanic lines running under the pyramids, ley lines running under the pyramids. So we have several elements and more elements you have, the pyramid becomes much stronger energy machine. And this is the major results that we got in Bosnia. Pyramids were not tombs for the rulers, or you don't have one dead body under the pyramid, but they were built to serve 
communities of living people to serve and last for thousands of See, years. See, you and I have never had this conversation. At least I don't think so. But from our work, totally separate, I came to the conclusion, and I had a couple of conversations with Carmen, that the pyramids were built in order to try to restore locally the level of the physics in the solar system before the war and before the catastrophe set in that basically degraded all life on Earth because of a lack of sufficient background physics. So what, you, what they did is they built local amplifiers that not only changed consciousness, but also enabled them to do other things in technology that we can't currently do because we've forgotten how. You're right. The pyramids were actually used for several different purposes. Of course, one of them is to protect the you know original energy field on the planet. But uh, let me go back to those natural sources that the pyramids amplify, and it will tell us the purpose. We are having several underground water, you know, uh, flows, you know, under the pyramids. And the water moves, it releases negative ions. And we measure the highest concentrations of negative ions on the planet under the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun in those tunnels. What are the negative ions? These are some extra electrons in atoms or molecules. Well, they are very beneficial to our health. Namely, those negative ions being free in the atmosphere, they connect with the dust. They become heavy and they you know, drop to the floor. So they clear the atmosphere from dust. They clear it from smoke. They clear it from pollen. Pollen, imagine allergies in the spring and summer. They clear it from all microbes. And microbes are viruses, bacteria, fungi, viruses. So if corona is a virus, so they protect you from corona. And we have so many examples in the last three years. So more negative ions, better for us. There is a company in the U.S. producing those air ion counters. And we have two of them in Bosnia. And we measure those concentrations wherever we go. When I move, you know, in Germany, South Africa, Egypt, U.S., I always take those instruments. So I know the concentrations around the world. In our homes, the concentrations are about 10, 20, or 30 negative ions per cubic centimeter, which is nothing. You go to the downtown of LA or Sarajevo or Munich, it's about 100, 150, very low. You go to the mountains in the pine tree forest, it is between 750 and 1000, meaning it is six times healthier on the top of the mountains in the forest. Of course it is. But when you go to the Bosnian pyramid tunnels, during the summertime, it is between 20,000 oh to 60,000 negative oh ions per cubic me. centimeter. And right now, in February 2023, we measured the highest concentrations ever, 212,000 negative ions per cubic centimeters. More than 200,000, this is the highest concentration on the planet. And what's happening, those negative ions, not only that they clean our body from all the microbes, viruses, bacteria, and so on, they help us to establish the balance, you know, when it comes to the high blood pressure, you know, 
it uh, it balances the blood pressure. High sugar in the blood, it balances it. You know, uh, asthma, all other kind of stuff. So it seems that the ancients knew that the pyramid has so many other features that they help us to protect what is the most valuable in our life, and that would be health and energy field, like you said. But not only that, we've done more research and we can talk you know, about it in the next hour, but it is so exciting and so amazing and so much to learn from the ancients. So like I said, the pyramids were not only about the challenges, how to manipulate with so much um, material, but also how to use other elements to get perfect complexes that can serve humanity. Hmm. Well, I'm very glad that you kind of converged on this idea that the pyramids were amplifiers to bring the physics back up to some pre-level, because that's, I think, why so much effort was devoted by so many different cultures. It became their prime objective to recreate this this environment where living was possible, humane living was possible. And what I also find amazing is this knowledge has both been forgotten and then ruthlessly suppressed, and we need it now. Like, have you noticed over the last several decades, you've been at this now there in Bosnia for 14 years, what was the first date when you figured out that these things were energy amplifiers in addition to being, you know, just kind of really cool mountain-sized pyramids? Well, we started our research back in 2005. And the first five years we spent proving that we have construction complex. But in 2010, we started bringing not only archaeologists, Egyptologists, uh, geologists, biologists, the classical sciences, not only geophysicists and high-tech stuff, but also experts in energy phenomena, physicists, electrical engineers. So from 2010, until present, so in the last, what, 13 years, we've been focused a lot to the energy aspect. And what we came out with is really amazing. And we can talk about it, you know, after the break. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. We have hit it at the top of the hour. My guest this morning is Dr. Sam Ismanagich. We're talking about his incredible, remarkable discovery of mountain-sized pyramids breaking the mold on the cultural stereotype that pyramids were much smaller and only confined to Egypt. As you heard from the list he read, they're everywhere and they're very, very old. Raising the question, what was their real purpose? Think hyperdimensional physics and torsion field technology and you will have the answer. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. You're on the other side of midnight. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, 
theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. Thank you.